0: Bugs Bunny is one of the most breakthrough characters of all time
1: I love Bugs Bunny he's, he's wonderful
0: I love that he cross dresses I love how fluid he is he's just he's wonderful and he's
1: also he is a, a very crafty bastard for he sure. Is.
2: yeah he's yes. a lot it's a lot better than Mickey Mouse yeah
1: Mickey uh, Mouse yeah. Is a, Mickey <laughs> Mouse is a wet blanket <laughs> sorry Mr. Disney we didn't mean that don't come kill us yeah oh my
2: god there's knocking at the door they're here for me
0: <laughs> it's Walt's head
2: Futurama I've come style. back
0: yes <laughs> <damn it>.
2: uh. <laughs> well welcome to Under the Pendulum I'm Chris Weber. she is always here and won't leave it's Heather Weber.
1: Webber oh. Oh. I've always been Heather Weber.
2: <laughs> and joining us from Los Angeles, it's Caitlin Weber, and I spelled lost wrong.
0: I fixed it for you. It was you actually it, it was it's L.O.S.
2: Yeah, I know. I did. the. Yeah.
0: Oh, OK. English Yes. Los Angeles. Lassie. It's a Los I'm per- Angeles. I'm pretty sure Lassie was filmed here, so. Just saying. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: That's a that's a California surfer dog. If I've ever seen one, that the oh, yeah. beautiful hair. First, I like, oh.
0: And I was like, oh, and I was like, ah, and I was <laughs>
2: like, gotta go down <clears throat> well right now. Uh, and then I was
0: like, yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> First I was like, uh, and then I was like, yeah.
0: I will say watching <laughs> surfers is is very angelic and fun. It's like watching basketball or something. It's just like mesmerizing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I used to work with a lot of surfers, and it's um, an it's inter- interesting culture.
0: Yes, absolutely. You
2: know, hard to explain. I don't know. Surf talk. I, I, really no. I never Shut got yes.
0: And I'm just yeah. like a fat piece of shit with my lobster roll on the beach just watching. I'm like, you go out there. Have a good time. That lobster Your roll is real good, You golden gods and
2: goddesses. <laughs> you hit those waves. That's like right. Poseidon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you know, Okay. Last thing I'll say, but my, my favorite meme of all time is Poseidon's Kiss. Do you guys remember that one?
2: Oh, Gypsy's Kiss. Is it Gypsy's Kiss?
0: <laughs> this gypsy's kiss? Yeah, I thought it was,
2: um, like, to take a piss. It was the cockney thing, Gypsy's Kiss. No. Oh, no, 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 I'm going to take a gypsy was one.
0: That's right, that's right, take yeah. a piss. But no, Chris, gypsy's, Poseidon's gypsy's kiss, kiss, kiss is when piss. your poopy hits the... the... <laughs> It's the water, and then water splashes up on your butt.
1: a
2: yeah, little okay. picture of
0: the side and going.
1: <laughs> I know, I love it.
2: Oh, that I is. like
1: Laughed for a whole day when I saw. It. Here at Under the Pendulum, we love to open the podcast with a poop joke.
2: Yeah, <laughs> no that's really going to change the way I take a shit now.
0: We have been chained together by turds since the dawn of
2: time. Mm-hmm.
0: We are a nutty bunch.
2: I'm just going to like be <laughs> randomly laughing in the toilet. And people at work are going to think I'm strange.
1: I've totally been there <laughs> thinking about that.
2: Oh, Poseidon, stop.
0: And you got to see the picture because they did think like, his lips like really big. <laughs> I think Make I Christmas still have it everybody. on my phone. Yeah,
2: I do too. You have to send that to me. So that's great. I will. <laughs> so we are venturing back into the world of legends and ghosts in this episode. Today Ooh. we'll be looking at a few stories oh. from our very own backyard of Colorado.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> we gotta gotta give a little home love right now.
0: Yeah, mm. for real. Talk about the Wild West. Talk about them Tommyknockers. Talk about that Gold Rush. All that shit was terrifying.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's there are spooky things aplenty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Colorado is home to some of the strangest stories and legends around, like the frontier cannibal Alfred Packer, hundreds of ghost stories of the Wild West, thousands of UFO sightings and even strange cryptids like the slide rock bolter which is a oh, land yes. whale, a giant land whale that clings to the top of mountains by hooks on its tail. It basically waits for unsuspecting victims, and it slides down the mountain and devours you. That
0: sounds you. like a miner who's just fucking wasted <laughs> and it, like it, got lost, like, and that's what they thought they saw.
2: <laughs> it was um, like old lumberjack lore. I, could just, like, lumberjacks, yeah.
0: I just saw a guy on like a donkey just like... <laughs> like one eye closed just like going along (laughs) and then this boulder falls and he just like makes up this fucking bullshit story.
2: Was that a whale? Did you see that that side
0: rock boulder land whale? (laughs) It was this
2: big. (laughs) It was the size of that mountain right there.
0: (laughs) Please let me stay the night.
2: (laughs) So, uh, you know, obviously there's quite the variety of legends and strange tales to be had in this state. Um, so yes. today we'll be talking about four stories. Uh, some are true, some are legends, but all are a part of the strange tapestry that makes up the Centennial State. Woo! Nice. I'm and I apologize, <clears throat> my my sinuses are horrible today, so you'll, I'll be sniffling a lot.
0: That's another That's fun okay. thing about living in Colorado is all of the dust and hay that r- really and get your sinuses is. going. <clears throat> yeah, and how dry mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it's very dry. Yeah. It's beautiful, everybody, but you got you to gotta become best friends with your lotion out there.
1: Moisturize <laughs> up. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: So for my first story, I picked The Legend of Silver Heels. Have silver you guys heard this
1: heels. one?
0: I haven't. AKA, AKA Twinkle Toes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Silver Heels.
0: No, <laughs> I haven't heard this.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of like a, uh, like a old prospector story.
0: Oh, nice. God damn it. Partly true, though. There there are
2: true elements to it. Yay. So southwest of Denver in Park County, there was a ghost town called Buckskin Joe, also known as Lorette. So it's going to get confusing. Buckskin Joe is a person, but also the town.
0: That goes from like zero to prospector so quick with that name.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Three sentences and yep, we're deep.
0: What was it? What was the other name?
2: Uh Lorette. Lorette. It was actually like Lorette, a combination okay. of two women's
0: names. <clears throat> Lorette and then Bushkin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so it was founded in eighteen fifty nine by prospector Joseph Higginbottom.
0: Oh, oh man. <laughs> ooh, you can't even make that up. That's good. <laughs>
2: So he he took over the claim after the original owner sold it. Uh, the original owner thought that it didn't look very lucrative and was like, yeah, there's probably not gold there. But not so old buckskin Joe. Hell. Old Hickam Bottoms ain't a quitter.
1: Our store begins.
2: So Hagenbottom set up camp and, um, you know, people started flocking to the area and the camp began to grow and took on the name Buckskin Joe as Hagenbottom often wore buckskin clothing.
0: That Interesting. Is, uh. Okay. Okay. Shoes or no shoes. Is he wearing shoes in your mind? Yeah.
2: Not
1: around town,
0: but when he's mining. When I mean, he's mining. They're, fa- they're
2: falling apart. Yeah.
0: Like in my head, his toe is the size of my head. Like <laughs> he's got giant feet. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying.
2: Just saying. Call me old Stubtoe, What they call me?
0: <laughs> oh, chickens.
2: Ah, chickens. I stubbed it again. <laughs> so gold was discovered in that area, and by 1860, the camp exploded with eager prospectors. By September of 1860, over 2,000 men had purchased claims and were working that area. Oh, there's gold in these hills. So he, like, it blew the fuck up, like, That's very great. quickly.
0: You just couldn't wait to say it. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you got to play Cotton Eye Joe jo clip sometime during this. You have I'll try to, to find <laughs>
2: some good uh, banjo music or something.
0: Yes. Oh, that be fun. I yeah. wish I brought a rusty bucket to this episode.
2: <laughs> well,
0: the golden them hills. <laughs> 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 okay okay i'm sorry i'm sorry
2: so to support this influx of people the camp quickly grew into a town it had a post office hotels stores and a bank and wow. by 1862 buckskin joe had become the park county seat so it like expanded and and it just became this this pretty well known city in the county uh very quickly like just over like a couple of years
0: nice and the town treasury because he kept all of the town's money in his pants and his mattress. (laughs) (laughs) He was also the lead washboard player.
2: (laughs) I mean, yeah. Naturally. I think think you're automatically mayor if you're a washboard player. (laughs) (laughs) So at its height, the town was home to around 3,000 people, and all of them needing entertainment. So saloons, gambling halls, and entertainment venues were opened as well. In 1861, a traveling dance hall girl named Silver Heels came to Buckskin oh. Joe to perform. She traveled from town to town, performing for a few nights, making some money, and moving on to the next town. She immediately entranced everyone in the, in Buckskin Joe with her beauty, charm, and enchanting performances, hence her nickname Silver Heels. Where did
0: you come from? Where did you go? Stay come with us, stay
2: with us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: cotton high joe <laughs> that's her singing and dancing under her dainty heels <laughs> it's very enchanting <laughs> so as the
2: story goes when she was about to move on from buckskin joe all the miners and business owners showered her with gifts and begged her to stay in their town permanently yes. she readily agreed
0: Heck yeah. Yeah, you know. Because it just,
2: things move that fast, I guess. I don't know.
0: You know, the silver heels, you want them gold heels, you want them silver heels forever. <laughs> That's right. God, God damn it.
2: <laughs> you know that goddamn silver heels? She's the only good thing in this fucking world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I just... I feel so bad for any prostitute from, like, the 1800s and before.
2: Do not sully the name of Silverheels. She was a dance-all girl.
0: That's right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she's not like that. It's God true. damn it.
2: So the town's happy. She stays. But the good times didn't last. Oh. When winter came in 1861, it brought with it a smallpox epidemic. Oh. It swept through the town, afflicting the miners and their families. Within days, people lined the road leading up to the town cemetery just to bury their dead. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, story takes a fucking hard left.
0: Yeah,
1: really? Yeah. all silver heels, and then boom, smallpox.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oof. So the town sent for nurses from Denver, but no one ever came. (gasps) Those who were able to help did. And it is said that no one was more helpful than Silverheels.
0: All Twinkle Toes.
2: She twinkled from cabin to cabin, caring for everyone and everyone who needed nursing or help.
0: <laughs> la, la, la,
2: la, 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 la. She even jovially assisted with burying the dead. That—that uh, that, <laughs> I just added that.
0: <laughs> okay, That's I just really saw nice corpses of her. moving wow. very inappropriately in my head. She's a fucking overachiever.
2: When they were burying the corpses of their family, no one sang harder than Silver (laughs) Heels. So when spring came in 1862, the worst had passed for the inhabitants of Buckskin Joe. But sometime before the spring came, Silver Heels had vanished. The town searched for her all over the area and even into the mountains, but they never found a trace of her. Her cabin was still in order, but there were no signs of her anywhere.
1: God damn. She couldn't
2: have, yeah. She couldn't have left by stagecoach or a horse during the winter snowfall, and no one had seen one leaving.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so sad.
2: Yeah, they gave up. I yeah. know. So they named one of the mountains in the area Mount Silverheels in honor of wow. honor of her bravery and kindness during the small during the smallpox outbreak. But some say that she never left. Legend has it that she contracted smallpox and survived but her beautiful face was left horribly scarred and disfigured like some <gasps> no. sort of Phantom of the Opera.
0: God damn.
2: <laughs> like some sort of prospecting <laughs> Phantom of the Opera.
0: Yes. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> so they say she went into isolation and hid herself away Aww. because she was just so ashamed that she wasn't beautiful silver heels anymore.
0: What do you think Aww. happened to Twinkle Toes? Well, she was murdered.
2: Some of, the, some of the town's folks said that they saw a woman heavily veiled at the cemetery, watching over the graves of the dead from that fatal winter in
0: 1861. Dang.
2: And even a century later, people reported seeing this figure in the cemetery, vanishing into thin air if anyone tries to get too close.
0: Oh. Twinkle, twinkle.
2: And just one more smaller story to go with this. Silver Heels isn't the only ghost uh, said to haunt the town. This one's kind of funny. (laughs) So J. Dawson Hedgepath came to Buckskin Joe with his family to find gold and start a new life in the early 18- 1860s. But in July of 1865, Dawson fell to his death while prospecting on the side of a mountain. Oh, God, his I thought you were about bu- to
0: say prostituting on the side of a mountain, and I just saw him, like, <laughs> shittily dressed as a woman.
2: <laughs> hey, boys. Oh, touch it for a fiver, but you got to climb up here. <laughs> His lifeless body was found broken and crushed at the bottom of Mount Boss. Oh! Soon after his brutal death, however, strange things began to occur. People in the town began to find his bones in strange places with no explanation.
0: Ooh, his that's bones super first scary. showed up.
2: Yeah, it's kind of spooky.
0: It's in my soup. So- Fuck! <laughs> How'd that get there? <laughs> <laughs> Goddammit!
2: So his bones first showed up in the bed of a prostitute the next town over, and believing nice. it was a horrible joke, they reburied them in Buckskin Joe Cemetery. Talk
0: about that a wasn't boner. the
2: end of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh, uh,
1: <laughs> am I right? <laughs> uh.
2: <laughs> the bones started showing up again and again, usually in the homes of fair ladies. Prostitutes. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: It became such a story that almost all of the state was talking about it. When the bones showed up in someone's home, they always tried getting rid of them, even throwing them down into outhouses. But they always returned. (laughs) No one knows how or why this happened, even to this day.
0: Get this shitty bone out of my bed!
2: So was it a guilty spirit? A prankster? People just wanting to get in on a sensational story? We may never know, but strange forces are said to still reside at the old cemetery. And this is just an interesting fact. Buckskin Joe, uh, it became a ghost town and was then turned into a historical tourist attraction. And when the owner revealed that he was selling the old town, William Coke, one of the Coke brothers, those fucking assholes, mm-hmm. bought the town and he moved it to his ranch near Gunnison. He like basically moved the entire, like all like the buildings
1: and stuff. relocated it all? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Whoa.
2: Yeah. That must weird. have
1: been expensive. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, they, they are fucking, they are like disgustingly Fred, br-
0: wealthy. billionaires, r- g- yeah.
2: The fucking Coke, bro. Yeah, they're. Fucking, I heard yeah. the
0: tales of Twinkle Toes and she must be mine. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's that's, so uh, sad. That's and what I got. Cool story. I'm just hearing like Ken Burns style, like Cotton Eyed Joe, like slow down in my head. It's not going to stop for this whole episode, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Probably not.
1: <laughs>
2: yep. mm. And now I can't stop thinking about a prospector version of the Phantom of the Opera.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> yep. Uh, don't even want to go. Don't want to go and there. And then there's the
2: gender swap. <laughs> there's a the gender swap. That's, that's really ah, cool. eh,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, my next story, um, I'm going to talk about room 217 at the Stanley Hotel. Ooh. Ooh. So the Stanley Hotel is perhaps the most famous haunted location in all of Colorado. There are several haunted rooms within the hotel. However, room 217 may be the most famous, also because it was the room where Stephen King stayed in when he was inspired by the hotel to write The Shining. You
2: go into that gift shop, dude, and they just, oh, they are playing it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. F- funny enough, I was going to say, if you, if you go there, it's mostly like overpriced winter gear, really pretentious home decor. And a fuck ton of Stephen King Overlook merchandise. And the hotel even held a hedge maze contest a few years back. And they actually have, like, a hedge maze in front of the entrance of the hotel now.
0: They're going hard, man. I remember (laughs) when they were talking of, like, I was talking to people that were, like, participating and designing and planning it. And then I went there and I'm like, this is just so bad. It's just too... It's just disproportionate and doesn't make any sense. Like, it, you might as well have it down the street or something where you could actually do a good one. But right. that's it's just very mean. small. Yeah. I yeah.
2: think it's just supposed to be like, you know, hey, take a picture with it real quick and then. Right. You know, yeah. It's not, I, just, I don't think it's supposed to be like a super nice functional one. No. You know, you just kind of go in a little bit and, you know, take like, a picture oh. like you're going to kill your son and then, yeah, and then everybody <laughs> goes. Oh.
1: Do your Jack Frozen in the snow picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you are a King fan and happen to be in Colorado, you really should go visit. And uh, they have a great ghost tour, too. It's a really cool yes. historic hotel besides that with a number of spooky stories. You can just go visit and walk around it. And it's it's really
0: worth the the visit. And they have a kick-ass whiskey bar. So.
1: Oh, yes, my God. You.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Word to the wise: If you don't want to pay the money to stay there, there are several motels still in the town. I mean, this was a couple of years ago, but you can stay in a motel across the street, do the ghost tour, then you can have access to the hotel all night. Like you can walk around and stuff, and that's that's just the way to do it. Or I did it, and it's very cost effective.
1: Yeah. That's-
2: yeah. Travel tips from Caitlin.
0: That's right. <laughs> Traveling
1: cheapies. You're concierge. <laughs> so uh, I'll talk more about King later, but room 217 is also said to be haunted. This is an unusual story, but it's pretty cool nonetheless. And I'll just give a little background on the hotel itself. Nestled in within the gorgeous peaks of Estes Park is the Stanley yeah. Hotel. <laughs> The hotel was built by the inventor Freeland Oscar Stanley, who amassed his wealth producing photographic plates. Most famously, however, he co-founded the Stanley Motor Carriage Company with his twin brother Francis Edgar Stanley, and they built steam-powered automobiles until 1920. In 1903, a 54-year-old Stanley was suffering ill effects from a bout with tuberculosis. The doctor's orders were to go to a sunny place with plenty of fresh, dry air. Where better than the Rocky Mountains in Colorado?
2: Could do worse. You could That's... do worse.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially Estes Park. My goodness.
2: Yeah. Estes Park is, I mean, you got the, yeah, it's like Rocky National Park's just right yeah. down the road. Yeah.
0: It's breathtaking. I bet few survived bouts with the tuberculosis back then, too.
1: Right? So uh, Stanley and his wife first stayed the summer of 1903 in Estes Park in a primitive cabin. And Stanley's health improved to the point where he felt better than he had in years. He made like a full recovery. He vowed that he would come back to Estes Park every summer because he was so impressed with, you know, how he felt. And then also, of course, the beauty of the location. So
2: Stanley jeans, man. Something about those Stanleys.
1: (laughs) I guess so. So over the next few years, Stanley realized he wanted to be in Estes on a more permanent basis, and he began construction on the hotel in 1907. In 1909, the hotel opened its doors to its first guests. Now, Stanley did a lot for Estes Park through the building of the hotel to his role in creating the Rocky Mountain National Park, and Estes Park became an incorporated city in 1917, and that's really all directly tied to him. And his influence there
2: he is the lord of Vestas park
1: so now let's get on to the good stuff
2: <laughs> yes ghost stories ghost stories, Go
1: stories. Woo. so when the stanley first opened room 217 was the presidential suite and was beautifully decked with pink and green floral wallpaper and a rich green carpet <laughs> the most popular version of this legend is that of a maid named elizabeth wilson one night, in 1911, there was a terrible thunderstorm. The hotel had a combination of electric and gas lighting, as it was in the process of transitioning between the two. During the storm, around 8 p.m., much of the lighting was knocked out. Elizabeth was sent to investigate. No. The room? <laughs> Elizabeth, you go into the dark rooms. Ah, you yes, go sir? into that dark hallway. <laughs> I don't know why she's English in my mind. Yes, I'm I going. <laughs> <that
0: too>. mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now, this room was certainly a priority to get up and running properly for its undoubtedly high-profile guest. It was a presidential suite after all, so they needed to get that shit going.
0: Get it going, bitch.
1: <laughs>
2: I don't care how many maids it takes. Get that light up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but unbeknownst to the hotel staff, there was a gas leak in that room coming from the gas light fixtures.
0: Ah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> when Elizabeth entered the room with her lit candle, the built-up gas in the room ignited, and there was a big explosion that took out a section of the western no wing. No
0: fucking way. That's the, floor of the crazy. <laughs>
1: the floor of the room also collapsed, and poor Elizabeth fell through, breaking her ankles in the fall to the floor below. Yikes. Now interesting so
2: the explosion didn't kill her, it was the fall.
1: Well, she apparently didn't die. So oh. interestingly, when listening to episode ten of lore, a really good one, mm-hmm. Aaron Minky points out that many versions of the story were printed in several Colorado newspapers. In these articles, the name of the maid was changed, or the maid was never hurt, and there was even one where they reported that she had died. Minky also points out that there were never records of an employee with any of the reported names, and he feels that the story was probably sensationalized in order to make sense of the supernatural encounters that have happened within this room. So,
2: we, so the explosion happened, but they don't. But it doesn't seem like there was a maid who died.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like something might have happened. Like maybe the explosion happened due to a lit candle, but. I mean, I I, I don't know. It's hard to say.
2: Say what you got to say. Sell those fucking papers, man. Sell (laughs) them. Sell them.
1: (laughs) But we do know that the explosion did occur because in 2014, fragments of wall with floral wallpaper and pieces of green carpet were found in an underground service tunnel by maintenance workers. So this was evidence of this explosion coming from this particular room because it had the same like wallpaper and original carpet and everything. Wow.
2: Oh, wow. Nice.
1: Yeah. But besides the questionable origin story, it is said that Elizabeth's ghost haunts room 217, and the room is very active with paranormal happenings. Mm -hmm. Despite the most popular iteration of the legend saying that she survived the fall, it is thought that she has returned to stay in the Stanley forever and ever And ever. Many
0: patties forever, facials, don't forget your cocktails. (laughs) Now,
1: people have reported seeing Elizabeth's ghost moving through a section of the room's wall that supposedly used to be a doorway. Uh, Guests have also heard her voice inside the room. People have reported that their bags have unpacked themselves during the night as they sleep. And as we know, this is a common hotel ghost trope. We're coming to realize when doing these things. It happens a lot in hotels with ghosts. I think it's a lot of forgetful people.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's like a real maid who's like slowly closes the door and it's like a single tear. She's like, I'm the one who does it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have to keep this alive.
2: (laughs) Never get any (laughs) gratitude around here.
1: Right. (laughs) It's up to me now. Don't forget to review us on Yelp. (laughs) and it is also said ghosts have witnessed ghosts is also said guests have witnessed objects moving
0: on their own in the room I wonder what ghosts witness (laughs) that's a good question oh I don't even want to know come to think of it Mm. yeah it's probably fucked up too many adult diapers (laughs) (laughs) god can they travel through the toilets oh Poseidon's kiss
1: (laughs) That's what it is. That's what it is. We figured it out. (laughs) So although this is a very cool story to go along with the haunting of this famous room, it's a bit perplexing. How often does a spirit come back to haunt a location they worked at and furthermore never died in? Why do so many iterations of this story exist in news publications? Did Elizabeth ever exist? These are questions we will likely never answer but this story will always be a part of the Stanleys' rich history. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to close room, t- room 217 with a couple of quotes by Stephen King regarding how he came up with the story for The Shining, because this is endlessly interesting to me. And he's such a genius.
0: <laughs> Heather's <laughs> gushing over here. Stephen King! I can. am.
2: <laughs> well, after doing an eight ball of cocaine and uh, saying... <laughs> right?
0: <it's-> what <laughs> a dream mode. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So when he and Tabitha were staying in room 217 on October 30th, 1974, they were the only guests in the hotel. Ooh. Inspiration seemed to be around every corner for him that night. I'm not going to try to do an impression because it's just, it's going to be rough. So. I'm Stephen
0: King, of Stephen King. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when we arrived, they were just getting ready to close for the season, and we found ourselves the only guests in the place with all those long, empty corridors. And he talks about when they were eating together in the restaurant. Except for our table, all the chairs were up on the tables. So the music is echoing down the hall, and I mean, it was like God had put me there to hear that and see those things. That night, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose, I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind.
0: Dang. Damn. Right? Those are some some money-making nightmares right there. I know, right? (laughs) So, you know, as we said, that
1: hotel is Stephen King crazy. Yeah, And the fact that one of the most beloved horror stories was created within Room 217 is an amazing and proud part of its history. Yeah, So I thought that was really cool. This
0: is one of those instances I'd love to have a time machine and go back to like before it was Stephen King centric and kind of observe that. Yeah. But yeah, I would too.
2: I mean, he uh, he has like a real soft spot for Colorado. I mean, he uh, uses Boulder as sort of like in the stand when when they Mm -hmm. all all like the people on the good side meet up i guess you could say um they all meet up in boulder Mm -hmm. you know which i wouldn't know these days yeah with the rent (laughs) prices being as high as they
0: are take that yuppie shit back to boulder love those stickers (laughs) it's too late too late yeah yep it's over
2: well that was a cool one actually i i remember listening to that uh that lore episode of must have not remembered much of it, so it was really interesting.
1: Man. Yeah, he did a, a lot of research
0: on that, so I definitely recommend that if you want to learn a little bit more about the Stanley. Yes, I definitely want to listen to that. I will say when I went on the ghost tour, I was in the um, stage area next door, like uh, like beneath the um, giant stage. And yeah. I was in a dressing room, and the door, like, slammed shut. It was the craziest, scariest Ooh. thing I've ever— scene on a ghost tour it was really it was really freaked me out there
1: well I have a gift certificate for it I haven't used yet so I'm gonna go stay there and I will report back if anything happens
2: so my last one is uh Cheeseman Park I heard about this like when I first moved here and I never really looked into it and actually this one and well I'll get to it at the end it also inspired a another horror movie nice So there is a park in southeast Denver called Cheeseman Park. It spans 80 acres, has a wonderful open field, a Greek-style pavilion, and is surrounded by trees. It is a peaceful spot to have a picnic, play some games, or sit around and have a beer or two. You can even go and walk around the gorgeous botanic gardens that are on the grounds nearby, and they actually have a gigantic corpse orchid.
0: Yes, they do. Mm. So metal. (laughs) <laughs> oh i remember that when it was blooming i i missed it but i remember it being on the news
2: yeah they'll, they'll let yeah. you go by and you can like smell it yes. yeah fucking uh, fucking metal <laughs> so what one might not expect as you sit in the sun or stroll through the gardens is that you are sitting on the same ground that once held a large cemetery Ooh. the story of cheeseman park is also the story of the denver city cemetery And the botched, and some would say sacrilegious, exhumation and relocation of bodies. It was so royally fucked up, they say that there are still hundreds, maybe thousands of bodies buried under the place where your dog takes a dump, and suburban white people try to ignore the effects of gentrification.
0: Yeah, Denver's great for that. They just constantly do things, or cultivate in a horrible way. Yikes. (laughs) Come visit our city. Yay! They'll kick you out of your house so you can paint it gray. (laughs) (laughs) and put ikea furniture in it
2: you know what this place could use another loft
0: (laughs) more exposed brick more
2: god i fucking hate modern architecture and that's all you see going up it's just like this modern bullshit it just looks so fucking duh Yeah, there was a Facebook
0: group, I think it's still going on, but like, please stop making Denver fugly kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it had the word fugly in it for sure. And I had worked in the architectural salvage business in Denver and holy moly, you guys, they had some beautiful, beautiful architecture from like, you know, the mid to early, you know, 1860s to 1920s, just gorgeous, gorgeous Uh things.
2: Yeah, if you, if you drive around like a Monaco, mm-hmm. a Monaco, Monaco Parkway, there's like some awesome old Victorian style houses. And yeah. actually around me too, there's a couple of really cool ones.
0: Yeah. yeah. They were developing yeah. so hard at one point that they would call us up and be like, you guys have a day to pull out this fireplace or anything else you want because we're demolishing this Jeez. building. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: Our story begins with the founding of the city of Denver and the cemetery. General William Larimer and Captain Jonathan Cox Esquire were land prospectors from Kansas. They arrived in 1858 to the plot that would become Denver, and they staked their claim, naming the site Denver City in honor of the Kansas Territorial Governor, James W. Denver. And it was just more of like a just kissing a fuckload of ass, you know?
0: Really? Denver's oh. a Denver's the brown-nosing move?
2: <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounds like it. I mean, you know, it was obviously a money-making move, too, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, was
1: like, that's I mean, this a, is all this is all, this is all during Hell yeah this is
2: all during the gold, the gold rushes yes. and stuff. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's a lot of money to be made. Yeah. So the land was not actually theirs. It was legally owned by the Arapahoes. But as if any white person ever gave a shit about that, they began to expand Denver mm-hmm. City.
1: God damn it.
2: The same year as the founding of the city, Larimer had set aside 320 acres of the land to build a cemetery, as Denver would quickly grow with a Pikes Peak gold rush of 1858. Thousands of would-be gold hunters came flocking into Denver City. The cemetery was originally called Mount Prospect Cemetery. Uh, Larimer had envisioned that it would be a place where, like, the wealthy and influential would be buried on the nicest part, The middle class graves would be kind of beyond that. And then the outer edges of the cemetery would be reserved for like the dregs of society, like lower class. And And
0: flower beds and Mm -hmm. moats.
2: So the first man was said to be buried there in March of 1859. He was a fellow who died of a lung infection. So
0: Surprise. Okay, okay, okay. Was he rich? Was he medium poor? Or was he poor poor?
2: They didn't say, but the next one's a little more interesting and they say a little more on that. So the next man was buried uh, the following month, um, after he was tried and hung in public for killing his brother-in-law. Eek. So since the killer and his brother-in-law were both immigrants, it was said that they were just buried together in some grave on the edge of the cemetery. Ooh, that's
0: rough. Just like hitting well, faces or dead corpses together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, really, it was just a free hanging at that point.
0: Dang! Yeah. It was over the last yep. piece of chitlins too or something
2: (laughs) it was some domestic thing or you know know, he stole money or some shit so because it was the wild west in those days the outer edge of the cemetery began to fill with criminals outlaws and vagrants in a lot more quickly the cemetery also began to gain a different kind of reputation from the one that larimer had envisioned it was called the old boneyard in boot hill and it was even named uh, Jack O'Neill's Ranch after a famous gambler named Jack O'Neill uh, who was gunned down at a saloon in the city in 1860. Dang. I didn't
0: mm-hmm. know that.
2: So with the growing number of the dregs of society being buried in the cemetery, the elite and wealthy started burying their dead somewhere a little more far away. So, somewhere completely different. So is
0: kind of like a... Let's see. What's a good, a good way, way to say this? Is it kind of like a piece of steak and like... The dregs are like the crusty burnt ass piece on the outside and then you got the juice in the middle or is it more like a jawbreaker? What do you think?
2: Hmm. Well, I don't know because it's like so I would so I would say the outside bits of the steak are are, are good. Too. OK, OK, wait. So what like, if it is, is it... I'll go. I'll go with the steak. I'll go with the steak.
1: Analogy.
0: OK. Is it like a jawbreaker that yeah, fell into there's... like a bunch of shit? There you go.
1: That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. okay I okay. got it. Got you it. licked there it you and you dropped it in the sand <laughs> just like yeah. that.
2: And you have a choice to make. <laughs> the cemetery was becoming the resting place for the poor, executed or murdered criminals, and those who died by the various diseases floating around, like typhoid.
0: Good old typhoid. Yeah.
2: Yep. Just never, let, never let you down. Steeped
0: nope. in pure evil in urine. <laughs> so by
2: 1866, over 600 people were buried in the cemetery. Dang. When Larimer left Denver... The claim to the land went to a cabinet maker and sort of like amateur undertaker. Okay. Um, and his name was John Wally.
0: <laughs> well, okay. of course I
1: have the embalming flu. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine he was making caskets and coffins and stuff too, being a cabinet maker.
2: Yeah, I kind of fancied himself uh, an undertaker. Well, heck, I could sure. do it's like that. Like I make coffins. I'm basically, <laughs> yeah, it's basically. Half the job, right? Exactly. Yeah. He's
0: just using like sawdust and like lacquer and stuff for embalming and all of that. He's like, yeah, He's just laying around that's the all house. you needed. Yes.
2: So the cemetery quickly fell into disrepair as Wally was a terrible groundskeeper. Oh. It became it became almost like a free for all. Headstones and graves were vandalized and toppled. Cattle were allowed to graze on the cemetery. And they say that even people were just like camping and living on the land doesn't so sound it too much kinda... different from now. <laughs> you yeah. just
0: see like a hobo like using an arm as a back scratcher.
2: <laughs> I'm glad they did her nails. For the... yeah, oh, I later. heard they oh, grow. Wow, it's I really... heard they're still growing. <laughs> <laughs> in 1872, the city of Denver had to buy the land from the U.S. government, who deemed it federal land deeded to them by the Arapaho in an 1860 treaty. Hmm. So the U.S. government kind of pulled a fast one.
0: So many fast ones. I
2: mean, they kind of just fucking plopped down and like didn't give a shit anyway. So yeah. But Denver City ended up paying two hundred dollars, which is a little over forty two hundred dollars in today's
1: money. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They they stole that shit.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, it was a steal.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So the cemetery began to organically segregate into designated areas. Um, you had sections for like Catholics and Jews and Freemasons and Chinese as well as the other various religious and ethnic populations. You know, some tried to keep up their family's plots, but many were neglected. Aww. So sections of unused land on the cemetery were utilized for other purposes. In 1881, a hospital was erected for smallpox patients. It was called the Pest House and was also inhabited by the elderly, handicapped, or those sick from other contagious diseases. Uh-oh. They were often left there to die, sectioned off from the rest of the population hmm. and uh, there was a smaller cemetery behind the hospital where the dead patients were tossed into mass graves
1: God damn jeez, we're just seeing seeing more and more patterns the more
0: we cover it's just shit <laughs> yep. is dealt with for the same way for so fucking long it's crazy are you talking about covid or are you talking about just like all the mass graves no in just just even even through like fucking you know when we're talking about the plague
1: and shit like that uh, it's yeah. it this is much later this is more like you would say like contemporary society yeah and i mean it's still doing this shit sure. it's, it's just yeah
2: it's almost like uh, it's almost like what we saw at uh at, you know learning about the early days of the asylums in bedlam
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
2: So, you know it's a very very similar perception of like handicapped you know the mentally ill right unwanted the dregs of society you know, they're, it's like, they're disposable.
0: Yeah.
2: So as the city grew, people began to complain about the state of the cemetery. There were homes around it by then, and it had become quite the eyesore. It's
0: pretty, it's pretty neighborhood. I mean, you know, you go off no, I'm just, Park.
1: <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, old people peeking out of the window, like, there's a fucking cow in the cemetery again, Mabel. And it's
0: staring at me. What are they going to do oh, about these cows? staring at me.
2: Why is it always staring a at
0: me? Hag it? on it.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
2: Yeah. And truck. she's always staring. Why is she always staring? <laughs> oh my God. Get a job, Barry. <laughs>
1: go on, get.
2: <laughs>
1: go on, get. I'm going to go bang my pot and pan outside.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that always scares her away. <laughs> So the city's leadership persuaded Congress to allow them to turn the cemetery into a park. Um, it was authorized in 1890 and renamed Congress Park, which is still yeah. an you know park today. Yes. So now the logistical nightmare began. They oh, gave fine. families 90 days to remove their loved ones. They
0: told the families to remove their loved ones.
2: Yeah, well, they, Yeah, Aww. you know, they're like, yeah, we're to doing To exhume
0: so. a body that's been decaying for sometimes 50 years or more?
1: Yeah. <gasps> oh, jeez.
0: Man, I dug up my dead lizard like two months after he was dead, and that was too much. I can't but like imagine what you know digging up grandma. Would I mean, be
1: they're like.
2: they're they're in they're in like uh, you know they're some are in caskets. I mean, like True. most but, like, things are in caskets. But like you know,
0: some, yeah. I mean, how
1: but probably a lot of them are in shrouds though. I That's mean, I imagine. Um, yeah,
2: you, I guess you have the mass graves, but um, yeah, yeah. I
0: just wonder statistically, yeah. like with the people that could afford to bury somebody like was it a pine box like how long does that take down to break down like does the rot do anything to that like oh to just to exhum a loved one would be you need like a professional for that probably sucked big
1: time
2: (laughs) well well we'll get into where that got okay So those who had the means and money, like mostly the wealthy and, and middle class, uh, you know, they began to move and relocate their loved ones to another cemetery. But a large portion of the bodies buried there were the unwanted and unclaimed remains of criminals, oh, the true. poor and lower class. Wow. As the majority of bodies were still unclaimed, the city granted a contract to an undertaker named E.P. McGovern to re- remove and relocate the bodies in 1893. Oh, yeah. mm so the terms were that McGovern was to supply a fresh coffin for each of the bodies, and then transfer them to Riverside Cemetery, which is a
0: beautiful cemetery if you go to Denver. Yeah, I mean all of them are beautiful, pretty much.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he would be paid a uh, dollar ninety, which is around fifty-five dollars in today's money, Dang. for each of the coffins containing a body. So for <laughs> every one that he transported, he got like you know, fifty-five you
0: bucks. Fifty-five a bucks. Bog and
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you know you think about how many bodies there are mm-hmm. that's, a yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot yeah that's a good money yep so the exhumation and relocation of the bodies went well for a few days as onlookers watched the spectacle but mcgovern found a way to maximize his profits from the contract rather than spend the money on full-size coffins he began using child-size coffins McGovern would hack up bodies and put them in small coffins, often using three child-sized coffins for one adult body, uh, tripling his profits, because now there's three coffins.
0: Okay, wait a second, wait a second. Wouldn't it be more economical, though, to just buy the bigger coffin?
2: (laughs) But he gets paid per coffin.
0: Yeah, but I'm just thinking of his labor, and he's just putting too much ding-dang labor into stuffing these corpses into these child coffins. He probably wasn't doing anything. Oh, true. He was probably getting people to do it.
2: Hmm. He was made two hundred bucks on one body. Dang. <sighs> oh, you so he's I mean? putting
0: multiple bodies in a child casket? N-
2: no. So he's he, they're they're cutting up one body yeah. and putting it in three child sized caskets. Okay. You see what I mean? Because he's getting paid per. Oh, coffin.
0: I see. He's being shiesty, is what you're saying.
2: Oh, he's being super shicey.
0: Oh. oh yeah.
2: Oh. Well, and sometimes they would, um, you know, so it wasn't all child-sized coffins. They would sometimes fill it with other things like dirt, okay? Wait, and stuff and just wait,
0: wait. I got it. So,
2: like, like a like a full-size fool coffin. Fool me yeah.
0: once with a full-size coffin. Fool me three times with the child's coffin. You got me a profit. <laughs> shame on me. Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah. Sh- shame on me.
0: Ah.
1: <laughs> You're not gonna fool me again. I
0: did never.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shame on me. So, contracted grave diggers and McGovern also looted the bodies of the dead for any valuables.
0: God damn it,
1: looter!
2: In their carelessness and haste to conceal this deception, graves were left open, and bones and body parts were strewn about and left I behind. I thought
0: those coyotes were having the best time, and those red squirrels—they uh, well, ain't mean- innocent either.
2: Well, people began taking home these bits as souvenirs. Oh. And this lawlessness eventually led to other civilians just openly, like, looting graves. Oh,
0: my goodness. So it just—the
1: worst-case scenario happened here.
0: Nice.
2: Yep. Wow. So the Denver Republican did a piece exposing McGovern's antics in their 1893 March issue. The piece was titled, The Work of Ghouls! (laughs) They wrote about the scene. Yes. Quote, "The line of desecrated graves at the southern boundary of the cemetery sickened and horrified everybody by the appearance they presented. Around their edges were piled broken coffins, rent and tattered shrouds and fragments of clothing that had been torn from the bodies. All were trampled into the ground by the footsteps of the grave-diggers like rejected junk." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. So it was just, it was just like a fucking just mess. Did you see any I mean,
0: illustrations was... or photos of this?
2: No, no, I couldn't, I couldn't find Dang. any. Dang. Yeah. Okay,
0: okay. Goodness. If you could, if you could just like observe that, it, like if there was some kind of weird like window into the past or time machine, would you observe it firsthand? Yeah. Yeah, me too. That sounds pretty crazy. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. watching people down like there and see that fucking shit. huffing it, getting these bodies out of the ground, It's like, like like they have no like <laughs> idea of themselves because you know it's the goddamn nineteenth century. <laughs> Goodness.
2: Yeah. So after a short investigation, McGovern's contract was terminated, um, oh. and they built a f- uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they built a fence around the area, and they never awarded another contract to remove the remaining bodies. So they left the cemetery as it was until they could figure out their next move. So they just, yeah, just like, oh, put a pin in that.
1: Uh, okay, that's a decision.
2: <laughs> that That is a decision. <laughs> so they decided to just go ahead and begin preparations for the park. They graded and leveled off the land and filled in what they could. The park would be finished in 1907, never having moved the rest of the bodies. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, guys. Oh my god! Wow. But a
2: marble pavilion was awarded was awarded to the new park by the Cheesman family in 1909, and that section of the cemetery was renamed Cheesman Park. And it is estimated that around 2,000 bodies are still buried under the park.
0: Oh, now I wonder how many people have tried to like dig. Probably a lot. Yeah. Well,
2: actually, they were um, they were building a new parking lot uh, by the botanical garden, and as they uh, were digging, um, they actually did find human remains, like uh. and bones started popping up. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes people just will find a bone or yeah, that's, yeah. I've heard that.
0: Go. That's what like uh like Aaron and Vanessa that I worked for. They would you know talk about over the years that sometimes like floods would happen and like
2: mm-hmm. they would
0: surface and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it just happens, yeah.
0: Dang. Lucky.
2: So can you guys guess what horror movie this inspired? Poltergeist. That's
0: right. Damn it, Heather. Ah. You're you like... moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> that part. Best part is when that one uh, casket comes open and it's a lady with the flowy hair and her arm falls down like yep. this. It's just oh, so good.
1: Those were real skeletons.
0: Yeah, they were because
1: they were cheaper than fake skeletons.
0: Where did they say they got those skeletons? Geez,
1: not in this economy anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Christ, well, can't is, even get a human skull. Man, for, back like,
0: in the '80s and shit, right? like the most like criminal shit was happening with human. Ha- sorry, happened with human remains, like coming from India and stuff like that, where sure. they were saying mm-hmm. they were putting yeah. these bodies on funeral pyres, but they were actually shipping them to America.
2: Yeah, yeah, Yay. there's some really shady shit.
0: So, yeah, that's awful. <laughs> what the
2: fuck? So even when they began removing bodies in the 1890s, people have reported strange experiences. Some have felt a hand rest on their shoulder. Residents around the park have reported hearing knocking at their doors and windows or the sounds of moans uh, only to find one, no one around. Ooh. Many experience feelings of sadness or loss, and some say they have heard a cacophony of whispers.
0: Mm-mm. And this isn't always Mm-mm. bath salts, you guys. It's Sometimes it's like <laughs> the supernatural.
2: <laughs> so people have also reported seeing apparitions wandering the grounds, only to disappear at dusk. Even today, they still find human remains on the You site. guys,
0: the next time I come to visit, we should totally like pregame it a little bit and then like go out <laughs> there with some noculars, you know, and some crackers and some cheese at Cheeseman Park, some wine, and we should scope out some of them ghosts. It's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. See if a bone pops up. That's right. And then we can go tap on some rich people's windows. And then we can also. <gasps> You know, maybe, I don't know if it's, it's supernatural natural enough, but like ding dong ditches some poo bags or something. <laughs> That's a fabulous idea. Oh, good. Oh, good.
2: It is a really nice park. Though. It is a very <laughs> it nice is, park.
1: It's beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I had heard over the years that it was a crazy story and that there were like bodies there, but I didn't know what a fucking blunder that was. Me
0: neither. That's
1: a super interesting story that I won't soon forget. That was... Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Walking around on soggy grass in that park after you hear all this will definitely make it different. I'm sure it's just like... (laughs) Like, (laughs) Is that the flesh of the dead? (laughs) The mealed marrow (laughs) of the damned. No, it's a pork chop. (laughs)
2: Oh,
1: okay. (laughs) Long
2: pork. (laughs)
1: So my, the last one that we'll talk about is about 1526 Blake Street. Woo! And we've all been here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty cool little spot. So located in the heart of downtown Denver, there is a beautiful historic pub at 1526 Blake Street. This present day pub, now called Brass Tax, houses a lot of history within its walls, especially in its basement. Complete with blocked off prohibition era underground tunnels. Yeah. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I know I said tunnels, but it's tunnels.
0: Oh, get me to that tunnel! <laughs> oh goodness,
1: <getting> tunnels!
0: <laughs> oh, roll that barrel down
1: that tunnel! I ain't got all I just right. got So excited!
2: <laughs> it's the coppers getting us turtles. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: I miss ghost tours. I can't wait till we can go on those again. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to see the ones here in Los Angeles and like do some of those crazy celebrity ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm.
0: So as mentioned before,
1: Denver was a dirty, seedy, corrupt place back in the old Wild West. A settler wrote of Denver that it was a nursery of almost every vice, a hotbed of unprincipled and dangerous sporting fraternity.
0: Excuse me. That's back when. Was that
2: a a crack of the whip?
0: That's back when Denver didn't mean a good thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Denver was full of saloons and gambling, which attracted certain types of gentlemen. This, in turn, created a market for ladies of the night, and there was even a red light district just down the road on Holiday Street. Oh, yeah. In the 1800s, Denver was the last stop for many miners that were seeking work in the Rockies, and it would be a rough go for those men that were going to brave the wilderness and the treacherous terrain of the undeveloped Rocky Mountains. A place like Denver was a perfect place for a last hurrah before this lonely and dangerous journey.
0: Yeah, like like you're spending your money like you're not going to see another day for sure. Or you just yeah. were scared out of your pants anyway, and you need to drink it off. Like, it's just stress drinking, I'm sure. Yeah. Stress drinking and stress hand jobs. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>.
0: uh. <laughs> so this brings
1: us to our first story from 1526 Blake Street. Around 1860, when it was the Charles Iser Saloon in the heart of the business district, the saloon also served as a boarding house. Many people came and went from high society to working class, and they all mingled together. The sex worker women were free to roam. Excuse me. The sex worker women were free to, <laughs> to roam
0: the street like kittens with their bungles in the air.
2: Yeah, we let them roam around outside a little bit. You know, you gotta give them fresh air.
0: Oh, look at those fishes. <laughs> That's horrible. I don't mean that. I'm just being funny,
1: everybody. Uh, so the sex worker women were free to work from there with no protests from the proprietors. They brought a lot of business in, and this was an infamously seedy joint. So this brings us to Lydia. She was only known up until somewhat recently as the brown ghost or the lady in red. Oh, I know the because story. Of her.
0: I know it, Heather. I know it. <laughs>
1: And she was called this because of her frilly red dress that she was seen in, her apparition. Mm -hmm. And then she was given the name Livia by Paranormal, Lydia, by Paranormal Researchers.
0: Which you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't name ghosts. I'm just saying. You shouldn't do it.
1: (laughs) You should
2: let them pick their own name. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) According to the story, and again, there are a couple of versions here. In one version, Lydia was a fiery lady and would often get into fights with the other girls.
2: Lydia oh, got one of those, huh? Yeah.
0: Coming in my turf, my hallway, <laughs> making that money.
1: <laughs> Lydia got in her last fight with another woman, and she was pushed down the saloon steps, breaking <gasps> her neck.
0: Lydia's oh. neck? Lovely Lydia's neck? Yeah. Lovely
1: Uh, Lydia.
2: Oh, not fiery Lydia. (laughs)
0: She's just screaming all the way out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another version of the story says that a a John pushed her down those steps after he was unable to perform adequately.
2: So many people die because of boners, you know. I
1: know. Uh, It's uh,
0: crazy. uh, God, poor prostitutes. I just, my heart goes out to all the generations of prostitutes that were like in the middle of some fucking disgusting thing, and then they got killed anyway. Like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. It's pretty
1: awful. Yeah. And yet another version of the story says that Lydia was not a prostitute at all and was pushed down the stairs to her death by an angry coal miner after she informed him that her body was not for sale.
2: Jesus, can't fucking win in that place.
1: God. (laughs) Charles Eiser, I'm looking at you, you seedy motherfucker. (laughs) Nonetheless, Lydia still haunts 1526 Blake Street. She has been seen, heard, and felt by many people over the years, mostly by employees after hours. When the establishment was the Blake Street vault, there was even a certain booth dubbed Lydia's Booth, where you might just have an encounter with her if you sat there. She is not a mean spirit, she just likes to pop up every now and again and say hey and let you know that she's there. Sup,
0: dog. You've got me Sup <laughs> dog.
2: Lydia, you've been here a while. You know, I've been haunting the hell out of this place. But um, I'm with HR, and uh, we've been getting reports that you've been um, feeling up people, especially employees. Um, yeah, this is, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go. Penny for uh. a punk. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're firing you, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Poor Lydia. no. <laughs> Another ghost within the walls of 1526 Blake Street is that of the ghost inside the vault. Now the vault was hidden in the basement for years behind a brick wall and was again discovered by new owners doing renovations. I heard this I read that this was like a common practice back in the day um they didn't establishments didn't want people to know they had wealth so that they would hide their their vaults and safes behind walls. Pretty interesting. Oh, so yeah. Knock down the yeah, wall sense, whenever right? they
0: wanted to access it?
1: No, yeah, I don't know exactly how that works. Maybe there was an entrance that had been covered up since, when... and they had to knock down the wall. I'm not really sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I guess with the like prevalence of, of like bank robberies and stuff, that would not actually the worst idea. Um, I don't know, because I guess if you go to like a credit sort of system, or if you have like paper money now, you're just having... The money that backs your bank. You know what I mean? Because like back then it was all backed by gold that the bank like physically had. They didn't had. have um, that
0: imaginary like, gold like and silver. money like we do now.
2: Yeah. So so it could have just been like, oh, no, we got the, the you know, the thing to back our, our bank. It's sure. just we're going to hide it and stuff. So that's what I'm assuming.
1: So I did have a hard time finding a whole lot on this. So I'll just try to tell it from the little I found and from memory. Because I've okay. been on this tour four times. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> according so you're to practically
2: giving the tour right now. I know,
1: yes, I is. know. <laughs> so according to legend, there was a thief prowling around the saloon, and he knew of the vault in the basement below. But he was caught in the act of attempting to steal the goods from inside the vault, so he was thrown into it and locked inside. <gasps> Unfortunately for him, he was forgotten about for several days and ended up dying in there. But in truth, like in all reality, if you go inside the vault, there are really scratch marks on the walls and the ceiling. Like it looks like someone scratched it with their nails.
0: I wonder if they Um, actually forgot or if they just did it on purpose. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) They're like, well, our money can stink. That's fine. Kill that man. Yeah, I mean it was the Wild West. Fuck 'em, right? Yeah, this money's already
1: <laughs> stinky enough. So these scratches inside the vault were supposedly from the dying man's attempts to escape, Ooh. and it is also said that cigar smoke can be smelled inside the vault, supposedly from the apparition.
0: <sighs>
2: Got to get one in before you before you die. I was Sorry? gonna
0: say like, so okay, that that like I can't make a um, a vault door sound. Can can someone do that? Does anyone have the power to do that with their mouth holes? Nice. Nice. All right. Alright, you gotta think yourself out of this. You gotta think yourself out of this. He lights up he lights up his last cigar and he doesn't think himself out of it. That's the end nope. of the story. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. Thank you for that collaboration. <laughs> So other
1: activity that happens within 1526, Blake, are light switches turning off by themselves.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> various cold spots around the establishment. Oh. Oh. And, <laughs> and glimpses of Lydia standing on the no longer there second floor where the staircase used to be. So she's like kind of floating. Oh,
0: I love that the second part. Floor I remember used
1: when they
2: said that. Uh, She's drunk again.
1: Uh. <laughs> That's so spooky and paranormal investigators even picked up an EVP of a woman's voice.
0: What'd she say? What'd she say?
1: As the male investigators were leaving 1526 Blake, they said their goodbyes to the male proprietors, and this was recorded. Goodbye, guys. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. And a woman's voice softly said, You're welcome. No. Uh, Did you hear it? Can you find it? Can you hear
0: it? Can you find I it? I didn't
1: listen to it, but Dang. I read it in an article. So that's it. That's fifteen twenty-six Blake Street.
2: Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. The the um the guy getting trapped in the vaults a weird one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I,
2: it's 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 cool, but it's also like. They just left him in there instead of calling the police. (laughs) He died after a couple days.
1: Yeah, did that happen? Hmm. Probably not.
2: Suspicious.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's just one of those legends, you know, that you, you come across when you're looking up ghost stories.
2: Yeah, but it makes me think maybe, like, um, they did catch a bank thief, maybe, and they did throw him in there and left him there for a few days. But he, you know, didn't die. They like arrested him and stuff. But then, yeah, over time, the it becomes this legend of well, he died in there, and
0: yeah, definitely, still... like like ghostly telephone for <laughs> sure. His screams can still be heard. No, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I guess I want to I want to just sh- sneak in some honorable mentions from my time in Colorado. Yeah. Um, downtown, one of my favorite stories was uh, do you remember the Irish pub that was like kind of on your way to downtown near Euclid Hall? You know, the one that was located on the corner with like the really cool downstairs you could go to, really beautiful old bar? Somewhat. anyway, I tried to look up the name of this place. I couldn't find it, but it's in that general vicinity. And this bar is supposedly has. Like right, right kitty corner across, like across from the bar exactly, is this giant crack in the wall, and they say that yeah. um, a man and his wife owned the bar, and the wife began to go insane, like it got dementia, or Alzheimer's, or something. And one day, the husband came back to the bar that she was tending, and she had taken a pickaxe to that wall. And, like, started chiseling into it because she, in her mind, believed she was digging for gold or something like that. And that big-ass crack, like, chiseling is still on the wall to this day. And people say they still hear um, the chiseling happen and they still hear somebody, like, talking nonsensically downstairs and stuff when they're closing up. Oh, neat. Yeah.
2: And they also hear a
0: God damn it Martha, that's the
1: wall. (laughs) Drop it. Drop (laughs) it.
2: (laughs) You know how fucking expensive that's gonna be to (laughs) fix.
1: (laughs) But um
0: also, yeah, I mean like like Heather said, and and the 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 nightly like any of the ghost um any of the ghost tours are awesome and they'll tell you a lot more stories. But uh I recommend my like favorite thing to scare people when I lived there was to drive up to Blackhawk at night and you go to this tiny cemetery that's just out of town. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah. And at nighttime it's pitch black. Like there's nobody out there and all the headstones are like all crooked and crazy out there. And there's all these really overgrown pathways and stuff. And like, People leave toys on the graves and things and if you shine a light on it it just looks really eerie at night and it's just oh, cool. it is probably my favorite spooky thing to do that's near Denver at least. So yeah. Hell yeah,
2: yeah, I mean there were <clears throat> there's so many like weird stories from Colorado that we'll you know, we'll have to come back and, and do some mm-hmm in the future absolutely um, you because know, uh, yeah because you have like also like you know native stories and stuff like um you know there's stories like wendigos and there's you know obviously S- oh, Sasquatch yeah. thing which which isn't a native story but Sasquatch is pretty big out here yeah yep, um, yep. So, I was living yeah yeah well at the
0: I was living right by the cliff dwellings like the Native American cliff dwellings in uh, Manitou Springs and I had like just the weirdest lucid dreams when i was there and like sleep paralysis and i was like i could walk up the hill and get to like cross the highway and get to the cliff dwellings and all the sacred land and stuff that was very very That's crazy cool. yeah
2: mm-hmm. yeah dude yeah there's um i try to find some good ufo ones and there's a lot of sightings like thousands of sightings <sighs> But um, I was I'll have to do more digging because I I was trying to find a good story. We could just you know, do that
0: it, for an episode because like alien watchtower and stuff like that out. out yeah, alien yeah,
2: watchtowers down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i will have to do a little more digging. I'm sure we'll sure we could find something cool. Do like a do like a UFO episode, maybe or something.
0: Ooh. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> more like so. Yeah, that was
2: that was strange. Colorado stories.
0: I miss you, Colorado. It was fun.
2: <laughs> so i guess we should do socials um you can find us on facebook at under the pendulum podcast on instagram at under pendulum podcast on twitter at pendulum underscore pod and you can find all oh, 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 our <laughs> episodes <laughs> on spotify <laughs> itunes Podbean, Podbean, pod <laughs> bean pod peener
0: pod google
2: podcast Google Podcasts or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods.
1: You can find me, Heather, on Facebook at Heather Thomas, Instagram h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas, and you can hear my narrations on creepy tales to terrify terrify, and chilling tales for Dark Nights.
2: (laughs) You can find me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber and finding some white guy. <laughs>
0: Woo! With the beard. And you can Some find picture of a
2: white guy. You
0: can find my dumbass on um, Instagram, Instaham, uh Frothy Stardog. As the Caitlin. Nice. You can
2: find me dumbassing on Instagram. Dumbassin'
0: <laughs> farting around.
2: Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh we'll be back with another episode, so um goodbye
0: goodbye see you next time that was
2: terrible oh see you next time (laughs) see you next time
0: and keep on the lights or don't i mean just you know whatever is your preference